Let's turn about this morning to the book of 2 Corinthians, 2 Corinthians chapter number 9, 2 Corinthians chapter number 9, and we're thankful for what the Lord has already done this morning in our Sunday school hour and at this up to this point in the service, and certainly looking forward to what God does uh, through the preaching of His Word this morning. Let me again say thank you for praying for me as I've been uh, sick the last several days, and uh, pray for my voice, if you would, to hold up over the next uh, few days. I would certainly appreciate that. Uh, this morning, we're going to look at 2 Corinthians 9 again, and uh, what began uh, several weeks ago as a thought that the Lord put on my heart, a message to bring, has turned into a little series on the subject of giving. And I believe this is the fifth Sunday morning in a row uh, on this subject tonight. I plan on preaching from uh, verse 15 of chapter number 9, and uh, we'll be done on this, this series of giving for now. And so, uh, but uh, hopefully we've, we're looking at giving, and I, and I don't hesitate to preach on the subject of giving, especially to us as a church, uh, because I know what God does through giving, but we're a giving church. And I believe the Lord has used this as just a reminder of why it's important. And looking at it from a different angle, it's not giving because we owe something. It's giving because God has us. It's giving because of what God's done for us. It's giving because we want to be a part of what God is doing. And so I trust this morning we'll look at the subject of giving from a little bit different angle again today. But from 2 Corinthians chapter number 9... And we're going to look at uh, the last part of this chapter, beginning with verse number 9. We'll read down through the end of chapter number 9, down through verse number 15. Beginning with verse number 9, the Bible says, As it is written, He hath dispersed abroad, he hath given to the poor, his righteousness remaineth forever. Now he that ministereth seed to the sower, both minister bread for your food, and multiply your seed sown, and increase the fruits of your righteousness." being enriched in everything to all bountifulness, which causeth through us thanksgiving to God. For the administration of this service not only supplieth the want of the saints, but is abundant also by many thanksgivings unto God. Whilst by the experiment of this ministration they glorify God for your professed subjection unto the gospel of Christ and for your liberal distribution unto them and to all men. And by their prayer for you, which long after you for the exceeding grace of God in you, thanks be unto God for his unspeakable gift. I want to remind you very quickly before we pray, as we began uh, this little series in chapter number 8, and Paul used the example of the Macedonian churches and how they gave uh, out of their time of uh, distress. They gave out of their deep poverty. And how they basically insisted Paul take their gift. Because God had their heart. They wanted to be a part of what God was doing. Paul continues to go through and give us some thoughts and some principles and teaching about giving and how God uses that uh, for the need of other Christians, for the furtherance of the gospel. And as we get into verse uh, chapter number 9, he is speaking, of course, uh, to the Corinthian churches and their willingness to give. And we come to the end of this chapter, and I want to draw your attention to verse number 13. Whilst by the experiment of this ministration they glorify God, notice this, for your professed subjection unto the gospel of Christ. Now, we've spent some weeks talking about giving. We're looking at that subject again this morning. But this morning, I want to preach on this thought, the key and the results of a giving life. The key 
and the results of a giving life. Father, I pray that uh, you would continue to bless the service this morning. May the Spirit of God be our helper. Uh, Father, I pray once again that there's one unsaved. May today be their day of salvation. There's one listening by live stream or by radio, and uh, they need to get their salvation settled. May today be that day. Father, I pray that you would help your church once again. May uh, you encourage us. May you challenge us uh, to do more for you. Father, I pray uh, that as we look at your word this morning, that uh, this key, this key to uh, being a giving Christian and what it does in our life, uh, may the Spirit of God highlight it. May we incorporate it. May we follow your leading. For it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I find this an interesting uh, verse in verse number 13 in that phrase, for your professed subjection unto the gospel of Christ. As we have considered many thoughts on the subject of giving and what it means to be a giving Christian, and we've looked at those Macedonian churches and Christians and how they gave out of their deep poverty, that goes against our nature. It goes against the society we live in today, the society of wealth and getting all that we can. As we've looked at many principles of uh, giving, and we know that giving comes out of a heart that belongs to God. God doesn't need what you have. God wants you. And if God has you, he'll get everything that, 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 that is you. And that's something that we ought to constantly be evaluating. What does God want from me? Does God have me? And we looked in, in the previous chapter one Sunday about the test of sincerity. There's a lot of Christians who say, hey, I want the world to be saved, but they won't give a dime to missions. It's a test of the sincerity. There's a lot of people who say, hey, we need churches like this church on every street corner. But yet when an offering plate passes, they put nothing in. It's a test of the sincerity. And we need to be reminded that many times God is going to test our sincerity. I've discovered in my almost 49 years of living that God is going to test with your life what you say with your mouth. And this is what I believe he'll put it to a test. Because it is easy to say, it's a lot more difficult to do. We could all testify to that. But I find a key. I want to be the kind of Christian the Macedonian churches were. We don't know their names. But, but the Bible preserves their heritage. The Bible speaks of the work that they did. They've set in a very high example. I mean, I don't know that many of us who could say that we've given out of deep poverty, but yet that's when they gave. I want to be the kind of Christian that God knows that he has me. He has my heart. I trust that you share that heart with me this morning. And I know the answer to being that kind of a Christian is found in the word of God. And I know that God desires that of each and every one of his children. And if this morning, if you, if you can't comprehend what I'm talking about, I would ask you to first evaluate whether or not you know the Lord as your personal Savior. Because God gave the greatest thing he could ever give for mankind. He gave his son. He willingly shed his blood so that you and I might have salvation. Because of what Jesus did for me and what Jesus did for you, does it not make perfect sense that we ought to give everything we have to him? It begins with our heart. It begins with, with who we are. And I want God to have me. And so as I look into the word of God, I believe there's a key in verse number 13 for you and I so that we can be this kind of Christian. Notice what the Bible says. He's, he speaks to them. He says, while by the experiment of this ministration, they glorify God for your professed. It's something that was declared. It was outward. 
your professed subjection unto the gospel of Christ. This gets my attention. I look and I understand that the word subjection simply means the state of being under the power, under control and government of another. So if Paul writes, he says, they glorify God for your profess, your outward subjection, the fact that the gospel of Christ has power, has control, is the government over you. Now, this isn't just speaking of salvation. Aren't you thankful for salvation this morning? Aren't you thankful for the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ? Uh, there is no other gospel whereby man can be saved. And think back just for a moment of the time when you first heard uh, the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Christ and how Jesus left heaven. And John three sixteen is more, more than just the, the verse that somebody puts on their social media profile. It, it signifies that God loved the world so much that he sent his only begotten son for one purpose, to seek and to save that which was lost, to take upon him the sins of all mankind because you could do nothing to get back to God because of sin. I could do nothing to get back to God because of sin. It is only through the Lord Jesus Christ that we have access, we have reconciliation to the Heavenly Father. I'm thankful for the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. I'm thankful for the day when I put my faith and trust in Christ. I trust that you are as well. And because of salvation, it changed me. It changed you. Salvation is a transforming power. Salvation changes your eternity. It changes uh, your, your, your future. It changes your record. It's forgiveness that truly man cannot fully comprehend. But I don't believe this verse is talking about just the transforming power of salvation. You know, another thing that I'm thankful for about salvation, I'm thankful that any man who wants to be saved can be saved. I'm thankful that once saved, always saved. You may say, well, I got saved, I lost my salvation. You didn't get saved. And I would prefer if you not slander my God that way. Because my God is powerful enough to keep his word. My God is powerful enough to do what he said he would do. When my God says I'm sealed into the day of redemption, you know what that means to me? That I'm sealed into the day of redemption. My God says that no man can pluck them out of his hand. I'd like to see the person who can open God's hand. Uh, I'm glad that once saved, always saved. But the subjection unto the gospel of Christ what I believe Paul is saying is, is you have given a testimony and professed that the gospel of Christ has become the most dominant thing in your life. Meaning every decision you make is in reference to how does it affect the gospel of Christ. You have allowed the gospel of Christ to govern your giving. You've allowed the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ to govern your living. See, a church not only under the subjection of the gospel of Christ is a church that gives. A church that is not about the gospel and getting it to the world really isn't a church at all. See, if I place myself under the power or the control or the government of the gospel, it affects my decisions. So what do I do when I make my budget? It's reference to how does it affect the gospel. Now, I believe 
it's a conscious decision for you and for me. It's just like it was my decision whether or not I got saved. My, my father couldn't make that decision for me. My mother couldn't make that decision for me. My grandmother couldn't make that decision for me. Nobody can make that decision for me. I had to choose Christ myself. Just like if you're saved this morning, it's not because anybody else chose for you. It's because you chose. Now, I'll say this. If you're here and, you, and your mom saved, your dad saved, your grandma saved, but you've never made that decision, they're not going to be standing with you. When you stand before God one day, every man is going to give account of himself. You better know that you're saved. You better have that time where you chose Christ and Christ's payment for your sins. But after salvation, each one of us has to come to the place where I'm going to place myself under the subjection of the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. You say, well, the Emmanuel Baptist Church seems that everything is about getting the gospel to the world. You're catching on. Because we are under the subjection of the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. I want, as a parent, as, a, as, a, as, as the father, as the head of the house, and I, we rear our children, I want the decisions I make to be about the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. You might say, it's, well, you're the pastor, it makes sense, but everything revolves around what the church is doing. Which kind of does make sense. I am the pastor. But beyond that, what is that? I want my children to grow up thinking my decisions are based on whether, well, how this is going to affect the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. Mom and dad, this will change your parenting. What's the difference in a parent who says, I want my children to just grow and fulfill and have the American dream so they can take care of me one day, or I want my children to grow and give themselves to God and make themselves available to serve God, if it means they go to a mission field, if it means they teach in a Christian school, if it means they sit faithfully on the, on, the, on the church pew and serve the Lord, I want them to know what it is to serve God. I'll tell you what the difference is. You put yourself under subjection, control of, under the government of, the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. How it does it affect the cause of, of Christ? See, do you want to have a giving life? I would dare say that everybody in here would say, yeah, I want to be known as a giving Christian. I want to give of myself. By the way, if you won't give of yourself, you're probably not going to give of your wealth. If you won't give of your wealth, you're not going to give of yourself. I remind you, it's our heart. It's our heart that God wants. So how do we do that? It's all about what we place our subjection under. And, you know, giving sometimes is uncomfortable for people who don't give. Um, but it's a good reminder for you and I. You know, it's, I say this often, and hopefully you won't get offended by this. I'm not going to think very long on it, whether or not you will or not. But sometimes, but Pastor, I can't, I just can't give like some give. Well, the truth is, if the average Christian cut their sin out of their budget, they'd have plenty of money to give to God. I don't have enough. You live in the land of plenty. Just wait long enough. The government's going to send you some more money. Just, just, hang, just hang on. Um, it's what are we putting ourselves under subjection? There's nothing wrong with hobbies. I think they're good to have. But I think the hobby shouldn't control. I shouldn't formulate my budget based on my hobby. I think every family, as you can and you're able, you should take a family vacation. Good for your spouse. Good for your kids. It's good for me to have a break from you for a week or so. I mean, it's it's it's, it's good all the way around. I think I think it's it's good for you to do that. 
But that should not be what you're under subjection to. Everything we do, and that's what Paul is writing, he has given us a lot to consider in chapter 8 and chapter 9 about giving. And he's held up as an example some Christians that, quite frankly, God may never call on us to give out of deep poverty and affliction like he did to Macedonian Christians. But I've said this before, I'll say it again this morning, we should be willing to give if he requires it of us. How are we going to do that? We place ourselves under subjection. Who controls what we do? Our flesh shouldn't even control what we do. We ought to place ourselves at all. It is all about the gospel. It is all about how does the gospel get forth throughout this world. Now, that is the key, I believe, as we place ourselves under subjection, meaning everything is in relation to how does this affect the gospel. A lot of people say, as I've already mentioned, we need churches, but yet they don't support the church the way they ought to support it. We need missionaries. I agree with that. Are we giving to missions? We, we, need, we need a revival. Are you making yourself available to the cause as it relates to the gospel? Now, as that's the key, let me show from the scripture we read this morning the effects or what takes place, the results of a giving life once we place ourselves under subjection. Now, bear in mind, this was something they professed. What I'm preaching to you this morning is not something I can demand of you. It is not something even God demands of you, but he certainly makes a compelling argument of why we should live this way. It is something that every Christian must decide. And he is saying, I am, I am, I am just repeating what you've professed. Hey, Paul, we give because it's all about the gospel. Hey, Paul, we give because it's, there, there's others who need the help. Paul, we give because Titus is taking what we give and he's taking to those new churches and he's going to help with those works and the gospel is going to go forth. Paul is just repeating what they have professed. We are under subjection to the cause of Christ. In other words, well, we got to help that because it advances the gospel. Let me, tell you the, let me show you the results very quickly. or Maybe not very quickly, but kind of quickly this morning. Let me say number one, <clears throat> the result of a giving life is our giving remains forever. Look at verse 9. As it is written, he hath dispersed abroad, <coughs> he hath given to the poor. Notice this next phrase. His righteousness remaineth forever. The giving and the work that is done remains forever. It can't be erased the greatest investment you and I can make is in the Lord's work. Well, we, we have a lot of education today, and I'm thankful for it. I have education about investment and saving for the future that my parents didn't have, my grandparents didn't have. It's, it's that everything. I, I th I'm thankful for it. But the greatest investment you and I will ever make is in the Lord's work. Because that market never crashes. Those companies never go out of business. The bubble never pops. Who's sitting in the White House or Congress has no effect on something that is given to God. I've learned something a long time ago, and God reminds me from time to time. He can do more with what I give him than I can do if I keep it. 
He can do more with my life if I give it to him than if I keep it for myself. He can do more with my children if I give them to him than, than if I keep them for myself. He can do more with my service, with my finances, with my time, with my energy, with my, my, my talent. Than, than it, like if I give them to him, he'll do more than if I keep it myself. But our giving remains forever. You and I need to be reminded of the importance of the eternal, not the temporal. You ever spent money on something and just like that it's gone? It's like, well, I'm not sure that was the best choice. At the time, that all-you-can-eat taco bar sounded like a good idea. <laughs> that has nothing to do with this. I just had that thought in my mind. <laughs> but when it comes to the things of God, you give an offering, you say, well, there it goes. I'll never see it again. You'll see it again. I could, this is very easy for me to illustrate this morning. You look, think of our missions efforts. And they're ahead of us in a time zone, but there are churches that met in Africa today on, in, on property that this church paid for. They met under roofs that this church paid for. African men stood and preached the gospel supported by this church so that churches could be started. So I gave the Operation Light. What have we ever seen from that? Well, we know that happens. We may never see it with our eyes, but the day's going to come that we're going to meet brothers and sisters in heaven. And that's going to last forever. Forever. I mentioned it this morning in Sunday school, our Reaching Spanish Nations ministry and the souls that were saved in the country of Ecuador this past week. That, that lasts forever. And the things that we give when it comes to different things. And, you know, certainly we've been, you know, with, with, the, with the new things that we've been doing with our church and paying as we go and the new Sunday school classrooms and even as far as, you know, buying the new chairs and all these things that we're doing and everything, all these things God uses for the sake of the gospel, it lasts forever. Our giving remains forever. Uh, not just our financial giving, but our giving of ourselves last forever. Let me remind you that Jesus reminded the disciples that anybody who gives a cup of cold water in his name, it's as if they gave it to him. Think about that. Boy, this morning, it's, it's always, I always enjoy watching, kind of standing over to the side before Sunday school and in between Sunday school and church and all the people moving around and, and, and clogging the aisles and then moving around and going the other way. Sometimes it's fun. I watch somebody come down. This aisle is clogged, and so they'll go around, and by the time they get over there, now that's clogged. And then they got to decide, do I try the one all the way over here? But so-and-so sits over there, so I'll just wait over here. But anyway, I watch all this take place, and I watch the doors being held. I know the work that's gone in behind the scenes as we get ready for the Lord's day. That lasts forever. You know, you know the, the, the nursery workers, they watch the child so mom can come and sit and get what she needs. Some can hear the gospel and just focus on what God is saying to them and not as my child disrupting. That lasts forever. So friend, all I'm trying to do is remind us what God reminds us of. There is an economy that we can invest in that lasts forever. Number two, once we place ourselves under subjection, means what we do always is referenced to the gospel of Christ. Uh, number two, the second statement I would make and point out is our giving leads to our blessings. Now we look at verse number 10 and 11. Now he that ministereth seed to the sower 
both minister bread for your food and multiply your seed sown and increase, increase the fruits of your righteousness, being enriched in everything to all bountifulness, which causes through us thanksgiving to God. Now, notice what he says to those who are giving, those that are ministering seed, those that give to the sower, so they can, they can, they can sow. Notice what he does. He misses bread for your food. He multiplies your seed sown. He, notice what else he says, and increase the fruits of your righteousness. Being enriched in everything to all bountifulness. Maybe you're saying, well, Pastor, now we're getting to it. Now you're saying that we're going to be rich if we give. That's what I'm saying. I'm saying you'll be blessed. God's promised to take care of us. And quite frankly, God's taking very good care of us. No matter who you are, what you have, or what you don't have this morning, God's been good to you. So there's a recession coming. What's the greatest way that we can get through it? Trust God. Well, uh, the tough times are going to come. They may, and they, they, they've, been more, they've been better in the past, and they may get a lot worse. What are we going to do? Are we going to cut back on our emissions? No, not at all. What should I do? I think we ought to just keep giving our seed to the sower and trust him to continue to make sure we got bread. Well, we will be blessed. We'll be blessed. I've used this illustration many, many times. It, it may mean that you don't have, so I'm going to give, and, 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 and boy, I just, I, just, I just hope that God, God blesses me. And, you know, you look at that, you go out, and you look at that vehicle you got that's, you know, very, very old. And you ask yourself, why is that thing still running? Well, if you're not, everybody else who hears you pulling in the parking lot is asking the same thing, asking, why is that thing still running? But it may very well be that God's keeping it going. You know, maybe God keeps your health a little bit better. Those are blessings that we don't see. Keeps your children healthy. Protects them. Watches over them. I, growing up, I know the way I know the way I lived. I know how active I was. I know the things that I did. I know the things that and my mom knows now, but I wasn't there going to tell her, you know, the things that I did that involved danger and all of those, those kind of things. And I'll tell you right now, they must have been living right and giving good because there's many times I should have ended up in the hospital. And God watched over me. We, we, there's a little humor to that, but there's truth to that. God blesses. Our giving leads to our blessings. This is what it comes down to. Are you more concerned with the bottom line or with having God's blessings? Somebody who has the blessings of God is never going to lack in what they need. You may wonder when you're going to have it, but you'll never lack. When you, this church is a church that is blessed. We are blessed. This is a church. We've had battles. We've had times of sacrifice in faith, but God has blessed us every step of the way. Why is that? Because I believe that we are under subjection to the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. I hasten number three. We get this settled. The third result of giving is our giving causes dependence and thanksgiving to God. Let's again, verse 11 and 12. That's an important principle I want you to see. Being enriched in everything to all bountifulness, which causeth. Now, notice that word causeth. When God says, 
this causes something. It's going to take place. You and I should pay very close attention to cause and effect when it comes to the Scripture. A lot of Christians go through life wondering why something's happened and God told you it's going to happen. Wondering why something's not happening, God told you why it's not going to happen. But note, notice this, don't miss this, which causes through us thanksgiving to God. Verse 12, for the administration of this service not only supplieth the want of the saints, but is abundant also by many thanksgivings unto God. When you give, you're more thankful. When you give, you're more dependent on God. Isn't that where we want to be? Oh, Lord, increase my faith, increase my faith, increase my faith, increase my faith. And then we're, we're, our mind is blown when God says, okay, give me more of yourself. Why is God asking this of me? You've been asking him to ask that of you. He's not in the middle of the night going to open your head and pour faith in. He's not, he's not a faith powder. You can go buy at Walmart and sprinkle on your Cheerios in the morning and say, 30 more days of this and I'll have all the faith I need. No, God's going to put us in situations where we can't depend on us. We have to depend on him. So if you want to have more faith in God and depend on him, he, the, God says when you place yourself under the subjection of the gospel and you give in relation to the gospel and you give in relation to his cause, it's going to create a dependence in you on God. It's going to create a thankfulness. Well, you know who the most thankful people are when they hear reports of, of, of what God does through missions? People who give to missions. If I, if I made that commitment, if I, did, if, I, if, I, if, I, if I get do that, then I really got to depend on God. We say that. Think about what we're saying. I'm going to have to depend on, more on God. But our giving, that's why we look at things wrong. It's like, well, I, I want to be more thankful. It means I need to hold on. No, be more thankful. You need to be more, more generous. Be more dependent. You got to be more giving. Number four. This is very, very simple. And it's very, very obvious. But our giving meets the needs of others. Verse number 12. For the administration of this service not only supplieth the want of the saints. Well, it's a sobering and a fulfilling thought to think that God would use you to meet the need of somebody else. To think that there's a prayer that I could pray that God would use in the life of somebody else, that's a sobering thing. To think that there's something that I could give, if I give my life completely to him, if I give my heart, if I give my, my wants, my desires, my wishes, if I surrender to him that God could use my life to meet the need of somebody else, selfish people don't understand the fulfillment that that brings. Knowing that God could use you to meet the need of somebody else. But our giving does meet the need of others. And that's the way God works. And I'll remind you of this. So many of you have given testimony. We took our commitments for the building program and we took some big commitments. And I can't remember how many testimonies of people coming. I got, I got a bonus, and guess how much it was? I said, let me guess exactly what you committed. Yes. Or I got a raise. It's exactly what I committed. Now, next time, commit twice that, so he'll give you twice as much. 
But that's the way God works. He allows us to meet the needs of other people. Supplieth the need of the saints. You know, there's one thing that I've learned in life and ministry, and it's true, and you, you know it to be true. If you and I just live to make ourselves available so God can use us to meet the needs of others, you're never going to lack ministry. You're never going to lack opportunity. If you leave today and say, Lord, would you allow me to cross the path of somebody? Or would you put somebody on my heart that I could be a help to, I could put a, be a blessing, give of ourselves? As a church, we have to give financially. Why? Because the gospel has got to go forward. People need to hear the gospel. Not just around the world in our own nation. The problem with our nation, it's not political. The political problems are just manifestation of the real problem. Our nation has turned from God. And our nation needs Christ. Well, we, we, what, are we, what are we going to do? We've got to continue to get the gospel. What's it going to take? It's going to take us giving of ourselves. Our giving meets the needs of others. Let me just show this is a blessing to me, and I'll, I'll conclude, this, conclude the message with this. In notice verse 14, And by their prayer for you, which long after you for the exceeding grace of God in you. There are, and until I was studying this out and saw this verse, there's, some, there's something that I hear often, and I hear it from some of our missionaries. I'll get a message or, or I'll get a letter or, or an email or something that says, you know, we, we our family and our church prayed for the Emmanuel Baptist Church, and we were praying for God to meet all of your needs. That's, that's, that's a pretty, to have anybody pray for you is a, pretty, is a pretty big deal. I think you would agree with me on that. Before somebody take the time to let you know that they're praying for you. But then when I put it in context of that verse there, and by their prayer for you, which long after you for the exceeding grace of God in you, it makes sense for people to pray for you because God's using you to be a help to them. That may sound selfish, but it's really not. It's the way God works. The truth of the matter is, when it comes to the work of God, we all need each other. That's one reason why I get so excited about the Preacher's Delight Conference and having other pastors here, and there's a couple in the service this morning. And God has me in Jacksonville, Florida. He doesn't have me in your field. He doesn't have me in Iowa. But if we're going to reach our country, we need each other. If we're going to reach this world, we need each other. And you and I, as God's people, we need to make sure that we place ourselves under the subjection of the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. What we do ought to be in reference to how does this affect the gospel? And I find this a very enlightening, very powerful truth. I want to be the kind of Christian personally that God would consider, I know I've got it. I got, I got every part of him. And by the way, that takes a continual surrender. That's not something you surrender one time and it's done. Well, I told God he had me. Well, there's going to be some things that you, you have to follow through with. 
Because this old flesh likes to forget what we promised God. But I want to pastor a church where the people are of one mind that says, you know, we want to do everything we do, every program. That's why I'm interested in putting the buildings on this property so we can reach more people. I'm not interested in building a cathedral. I'm not interested in building any. I think there's enough cushion on the, on, on the seats that we have. We'll get the new ones in. But I'm, I'm interested in what can we do to reach more people with the gospel. What can we do to rear another generation to go out in this world and reach this world with the gospel? Everything we do has got to be in subjection of that. Mom and dad, are you under subjection? Are you under the control of? I'm not asking if you're saved. I do want to know that you're saved. But after your salvation, have you said, okay, we're going to let the reality, you can't let your emotions be in control. Because everybody in this room knows everybody in here has made an emotional purchase just go look in your garage when you get home. There's a bunch of them in there. When it comes to our life and, and our efforts, we've got to let the gospel determine. This morning, it's simple. I've reminded you of some very wonderful truths that are results of giving. God's blessings. You know, I'd rather have God's blessings than being popular. I'd rather have God's blessings than be mainstream. I, I you know, I, God's blessings. You know, are we, are we, are we seeking the blessings of God? Are we let it, allowing God to use us to meet the need of somebody else in our life? Well, it's the grace of God that allows us to do it. This morning, are you saved? Are you on your way to heaven? Do you know for sure that you've been redeemed? If you don't know that, you need to get that settled today. Don't put it off. Don't say, I'll do it next week. You may not have next week. That trump may sound today. If you've never gotten it settled, it'll be too late. Well, we know not the hour when our last breath is going to be. You need to get that settled today. But after salvation, have you subjected yourself? Friend, very, very simply, and to apply a little pressure this morning, that's why it's God's will, first of all, to follow him in believer's baptism, identify. But it's God's will for you to get plugged into a church that is subjected to the gospel. Are you serving as you could serve? Are you with as you could be with? Are you doing what you could do? Let's make our decision with that in mind. How is this going to affect the cause of Christ? How is this going to affect getting the gospel to the world. Father, I pray that you would use the message